Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their have you gotten drama yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Back on the grind time. Vols ranked top 15 time. Got a Got a kick time for Florida time. Got uh, a lot to discuss time. NFL's back too, so happy football season America time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee here. Fort Rucker Studio just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium where, of course, On Saturday, the 15th-ranked Tennessee Volunteers will host a very, very bad Akron football team. Uh, We will discuss Akron a a tiny bit, I guess, today and a little bit more later in the week, but not not a lot to discuss there as uh, the Zips are are very, very bad. You know who's not bad is, is Pitt, and that's where Tennessee was over the weekend. The Vols, I don't want to call it an upset, even though they were ranked seven spots lower in the polls. They were ranked or were considered a touchdown favorite, and they won by about a touchdown. So, again, Vegas knew uh, the Vols had to go to overtime to do it, should not have had to go to overtime, should have won that game by a lot more. Nonetheless, Tennessee won that game. Lots to discuss about that. Lots of things to discuss about Josh Heupel's Monday press conference. And to do that, uh, we're going to go over to that home daycare center and get to Ryan Callahan. And we're going to go to a still still unnamed home of, uh, of Ben McKee and talk to him about the game. Fellas, how are we? Glad everyone arrived back from Pittsburgh safely. We did. Yeah. Fun fun weekend. But congrats, Ben, on, uh, on getting to – See a see a fun Steelers win in Cincinnati to open NFL season Sunday first Sunday NFL is always a a fun day and props to the city of Pittsburgh which I'm not surprised but enjoyed ourselves quite a bit over the weekend that was a that was a fun road trip and I think all the Tennessee fans I've spoken with about it really loved loved the the time there too yeah the 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 city was really cool the the scenery uh, I, I guess hills although it's something in between a hill and a mountain yeah yes because they, they were not your average hills but just everything about the city was was really cool uh you, you drive into it through a tunnel and you, you come out on a bridge and it's just boom the 
the city smacks you in the face and got to go over to PNC Park and that that backdrop is just absolutely gorgeous and Patrick and West and I walked walked to the both the baseball game and the football game across the bridge, which was really cool. And Heinz Field was awesome, lived up to its hype as as well. The the game was awesome, crazy. Maybe not the prettiest game, but uh, still a great game. And uh, it's always a great game when you come out with a win if you're a Tennessee fan. So that was that was great. So I'll certainly be back to Pittsburgh at some point. That that was an awesome weekend and. Uh, wish that Tennessee would schedule more home and homes like that one. That's exactly where I was going with that. It just made me that much more upset, and I get it from Tennessee's perspective. We talked about it at the time, but so wish we could have gotten that trip to Utah next year. That would have been a really unique trip, and this this one was just as fun as I thought it would be when they announced it. Glad Tennessee got to go there and show Tennessee fans a different part of the country. Hard to believe they had never played at Pitt no in the history of the two programs. Before no, this. no SEC team had ever played at Pitt. That's just crazy, especially given the Johnny Majors history. Like, how did this not happen at any point? You know, before he passed away, it, just a just a crazy. I mean, they, they've played how many other Power Five teams that were, you know, not Oklahoma, Ohio State type teams? I mean, that Pitt could have easily fit into the schedule for a home and home at any point over the past few decades, but oh well. Yeah, Tennessee, well, Tennessee used to take I, those trips I think for West, recruiting. Oh, go ahead, Ben. Well, no, I was just going to say real quick, I, I think we'll see Tennessee Pitt play again uh, at some point. I, I don't think it'll be necessarily soon. We know how scheduling works in college football, but uh, Narduzzi made comments last week about how he enjoyed going to Knoxville last year and uh, Tennessee going up to Pitt and, and how he thought the Johnny Majors Classic to, to honor Johnny Majors was, was really, really neat. And he talked about the first edition and the second edition. And then he went on to say that, who knows, there, there may be a third edition and fourth edition and so on and so forth down the line. So it sounds to me like those two teams will link up again. It just probably won't be for another decade or so because that's how college football scheduling works. Well, it's, as much as I would love to see that, and I hope that's true, I'm, I'm just skeptical of that knowing the SEC is very likely headed to a nine-game conference schedule. Yeah, that's and a good I, point, I, too. I worry that games like this are, are, are going to be few and far between in a few years, but let, let's hope that's not the case because college football needs more, I think, of what Tennessee fans and Pitt fans got to enjoy. The, the two fan bases seem to get along pretty well from what I saw as they did last year. So I, I just think trips like that are, are, are great. Fans get to see different parts of the country, interact with fans they've may, maybe never seen before and see, you know, see different cities. It's, it's just a fun, fun deal. So I, I, I wish we would see more of that, but, I do worry that, that those games will be fewer and farther between now. Yeah, I figured the fan bases would get along because, and, and I, I know the city of Pittsburgh pretty well. I've got some uh, good amount of family up there, and, and Pittsburgh is sort of an interesting fulcrum where, like, the Northeast, but also, like, Appalachia converge, and so there's a lot of similarities between the two people. Also, some some stark differences, but lots of, of commonality there between the people, and in Pittsburgh, the, the people are... are um, I don't know if we would call them friendly by the Southern definition of, of the word, but, but they are, uh, especially relative to that part of the country, they are very, very friendly people. And uh, there, there's lots of neat little areas around there and had a good time, got to see the family, got to drive back. We all got back safely. Everything is good. And now the focus uh, is for Tennessee. It's on Akron, I guess, but it's not really on Akron. It's more focusing on Tennessee itself because Akron uh, be, needed overtime to open the season with, with a win over St. Francis. Uh, and, and then, uh, yes, St. Francis, that is correct, St. Francis. 
uh, and then went to uh, went to Michigan State and lost 52 to nothing. Joe Moorhead, the former Mississippi State coach, is the coach there. Has a gargantuan rebuild ahead of him. This is more. Uh, this week is more about Tennessee, I think, than it is about anything else, probably. Well, related note: Tennessee opened as a, depending on which sports book you look at, somewhere between like a 47 and a half and 50 point favorite, which is. Maybe the I, I didn't do any research on this, but maybe the largest opening line ever in a Tennessee game because usually only an FCS game would approach that, and there used to not even be lines on games against FCS opponents. Um, often, still, uh, you, you can't find them. Uh, so that that is that is a staggering open line, and just shows you that Tennessee is is not going to not likely going to get much of a test in this game. But that is a uh, uh, but but think to yourself too. A, a fan uh, pointed this out. On Sunday, Tennessee is a roughly 50-point favorite for a home game and is ranked in the top 15 in the country. And, you know, long way to go. They haven't played an SEC game yet. But just considering where this program was 20 20 months ago uh, and the instability, the uncertainty, I think that's just a a noteworthy accomplishment uh, for for what Josh Heupel and the staff have done in a pretty short period of time to get two wins uh, back-to-back years over top 20 opponents on the road. Uh, the first Tennessee coach to do that in two years, in consecutive years to start his tenure. Um, that's, that's a pretty good accomplishment. And to, are you saying the balls are back, Ryan? Sounds like what he's saying. I, definitely I, I, not ready I, I to say that. Was he said uh, you're next Bama? Is that what he said? <laughs> well, I, I, I want to point out the positive here because as we get into football talk, it may get a little more negative uh, on, on some of the things looking ahead, but <laughs> I definitely think that is an accomplishment worth celebrating and noting if you're a Tennessee fan. This is a top 15 football team uh, and probably a little bit ahead of schedule in, in a lot of ways in terms of rebuilding. If you if you'd told me at the start of last season this team would be ranked in the top 15 two games into next next season, you know, at that time, I would have said you're you're crazy. Like I, I, I wouldn't have imagined it would be back in this range that quickly. We'll see if they stay in that range, but still impressive that they are at that point. Yeah, any discussion right now of Tennessee football, I think, requires the ability to walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, you sort of have to – I think you have to appreciate where things are and appreciate that it's a 2-0 football team, appreciate that it just won at Pitt. You also – if you are looking big picture for where you want this, this program and, and specifically right now this team to go – you have to note that it's not playing anywhere near as well as I think it's capable of playing right now. It is, it's doing a lot of sort of dumb things, and, and those things need to stop happening, or that big breakthrough season that people want will, will not happen. Uh, however, you're just two games into a season, so you're not supposed to necessarily be playing your best ball, right? I mean, I, I imagine right now Don Tuscaloosa and Nick Saban sitting there thinking, why was Texas such a close game? What's going on here? You know, and, and, and you're looking at places like College Station and South Bend where they're going, what the hell's going on right now? So, so there's, lots of, there's lots of levels to this, but I guess what I'm trying to say here is that there's a lot to discuss, and it will sound like a criticism. It, it is not. It, it's more of a discussion, I think, on where you want this team to be and what you think this team can be. Because if you think this team can be much better than it was last season, 
it has to stop doing this stuff. But but it it is it is two and zero. Oh. So so I'm wondering. We all had a, a nice long trip back uh, on on Sunday. Ben certainly was more entertaining, uh, I believe, uh, than than ours was. But we all got back. We had time during a you know a drive, a, a trip to think about it. Was there anything about that game that you thought of Sunday during that trip, or that, that maybe changed your perspective late Saturday night? Well, speaking kind of to your point, Wes, about how it may seem negative when breaking down portions of the win over pit in, in a weird way, like, yes, you're pointing out some of the negatives that, that can be cleaned up. But I think the purpose of, of us having this conversation is a reflection of how good we think Tennessee can be. Yes. And it's, it, it's actually a positive that we're pointing out like, Hey, Cedric Tillman was awesome, but he left some plays out on the field. Hinton hooker played really well and stepped up when it mattered most, and, and he left plays out on the field. Uh, the receivers, as a whole, could have been cleaner. Jalen Wright needs to clean up a fumble. Uh, I, I don't know that you can really nitpick the the front seven defensively. Uh, you can certainly point out the, the long runs in, in which a linebacker was nowhere to be found after the, the running back broke through uh, the, the defensive line, and, and that allowed Israel – uh, the pit running back to be the ACC Offensive Player of the Week, I believe I saw earlier this morning. So th- there are things to discuss in, in terms of cleaning things up, but it, it's it's really we're talking about it in a positive manner, although we're mentioning the negativity, because they didn't play clean football. They played really sloppy football and still beat a pretty good team that is the defending ACC champs, and, and a good chunk of that team is back, and they did it on the road in overtime. And I couldn't agree more with what Josh Heupel was discussing after the game and in that a year ago today, Tennessee doesn't pull out that win because when the breaks did not go their way last year, they didn't know how to respond. Now they did towards the end of the season, but now the the mentality and the confidence is so much different in this year's team that, that they can overcome all of the mistakes, the, the muffed punts and the turnovers that happened at ill-advised time. So that that's my takeaway, my biggest takeaway. And, and we talked about it in the reaction pod, Ryan. But Tennessee played far from great football. There were great plays and positions stepped up and they, they stepped up when they needed to. But they didn't play a clean, clean game of football from start to finish. And, and that's what Josh Heifel has been uh, harping on the last couple of days since the game ended in his different media availabilities. And to me, that should make you feel really, really good as a Tennessee fan because now you start to look down the schedule, you know this team is going to get better. They're not supposed to be playing the best football right now. You don't want to peak too early. And, and and you start looking at the schedule, Ryan, and you see a, a Florida team that came back down to earth and showed that, okay, that's why Billy Napier's in his first year at Florida. That's why Florida has a, a new coach. LSU beat the crap out of Southern, but it's Southern. They're supposed to do that. Like those are very winnable games. And then and then all of a sudden if Tennessee does get better and fix its mistakes from the pick game, then I mean I think it's fair to say that that this team should be five and zero after LSU because Tennessee is better than Florida in LSU. And look, I know you have to go out there and you have to prove it in a game, and we know how Tennessee Florida has gone traditionally but Tennessee's better than Florida and LSU and if it plays to its potential it will be 5-0 and mid-October 
Well, uh, yeah, great point. And, and that's, uh, yeah, that frames the discussion that, that I, I think we need to be having the correct way, which is we're talking about these things because this win over Pitt, and we talked before the game about how important this one was, even though it was a non-conference game, you lose that game, the path to eight and four even got a little more complicated. Now you win that one, it opens some doors. It really does to where nine and three, you know, if you wanted to get into any 10 and two talk, and we always said going into the season, that was a little, maybe a little pie in the sky, that's, but like if everything, yeah. yeah, if everything fell Tennessee's way, everything 10 and two was on the table. Well, now you can leave that on the table because Tennessee won at Pitt. So it opens up some of those exciting possibilities that, that just wouldn't have been out there if Tennessee doesn't win that game. So ugly or not, it was a, it was a huge win. And, and just the fact that they got it, makes Tennessee much more of a factor going forward to that point. You know, I mentioned that they're in the top 15 now in the AP top 25. They also, if you look at most of the different sports books out there, Tennessee is one of the 10 teams in the country with the best odds of winning the national championship. That's just, a, I mean, mind blowing again, in the context of where this program was a little less than two years ago, but sure. Distant uh, eighth or 10th on that list. Absolutely. Most of the team's, with the best odds, you know, the top four or five have far and away the best odds uh, of winning the national title. But the fact that you're even on that list, um, not that far down, is still an impressive achievement and, and kind of goes to our point of Tennessee needs to do better if it wants to take full advantage of this opportunity it now has. It needs to clean up some things going into that Florida game next week, certainly going into that LSU game in a few weeks down in Baton Rouge. Those are winnable games for Tennessee um, based on what we've seen so far. So they've got a lot of work to do, and I think this Akron game is an important one. I, I like games like this kind of being played right where this one is because you play Akron late in the season in November, no one's going to care about anything that happens. Now you've got some things you need to accomplish in this game because that Florida game is, is right out there for Tennessee to take if it can play well. And now you get to maybe test a little more depth, see if you can mix in a few more guys, work on some things, make yourself better going into what's obviously a, a really, really important game uh, to start SEC play against Florida next week. Yeah, I still don't like the matchup with Richardson at quarterback because his ability to run is, is something that I think will give Tennessee a lot of problems. That's another topic for another day. I, I think what I was thinking during the trip back was sort of what I was saying at the end of our post-game analysis podcast, the kind of snap reactions, was that the most frustrating thing – about the way Tennessee played at Pitt was that it was doing some really, really simple things badly. You know, you're not talking about can you, you know, do something difficult to do that maybe you're not athletically capable of doing. You're talking about catching a pass when you're open. You're talking about hitting a receiver uh, who is open down the field. You're talking about catching a punt. You're You're, you're talking about not, you know, jumping off sides on a third down. You're talking about very, very simple things, and that is so frustrating. However, if you want to look at it glass half empty, those are the easiest things to correct. Like, if you are athletically inferior, you can't correct that in during the course of a season. You have what you have athletically. And I do think both at safety and at linebacker there are some athletic – challenges for Tennessee against good teams in space that are just going to be big problems. 
However, uh, a lot of teams have those issues. That's not the end of the world. You just have to focus on what you do and do it well. And normally, Hendon Hooker makes the, some of the throws he misses in that game. Almost always, Cedric Tillman catches those balls. Trayvon Flowers pretty routinely catches punts, like, you know, in, in practice and in games when he's been asked to do that. That's not been an issue. He was a really good baseball player in high school. Could have played at, at Tennessee, perhaps, even. So, you know, committed to Kentucky at one point to play baseball. He can catch football on a punt. Those are little things that you can correct pretty quickly. Uh, and I think that that's a good thing because it's so frustrating and it would have been such a kick to the kibbles and bits if you had lost a game that you should have won because you did dumb things that you just are simple things. However, you can also correct those easier, and I think that's a good thing. Yes, it, it is. And I kind of look at it in the prism of the last two weeks have been good signs that Tennessee is a good football team. We will end up seeing they they could easily lose to Florida and piss everything away that that we are discussing. But I believe that it is a good sign, like I talked about week one after they beat Ball State, that they beat down an inferior team the way that it did. And then it plays sloppy football and – there were some mistakes like the muffed punt, like the fumble when you're trying to close the game out, and in which, you know, the majority of the time you make those mistakes and you don't win. Those are types of plays and mistakes that result in you losing a game. But players still stepped up when it mattered most and made plays to win the game despite there being inconsistent play throughout the game. And that's also the mark of a good team that – even though you struggle, even though you make a couple of mistakes here and there, you're able to overcome them and still win. So back-to-back weeks, I think that Tennessee has shown signs of of being a, a good team. We'll see how good. And again, they, they can piss all this away with what I'm discussing in two weeks when Florida comes to town. But I think beating an inferior opponent the way it did against Ball State and then being able to overcome adversity and win against Pittsburgh, I think those are two great signs uh, of a good team. I, I think those tend to be good signs of good teams, uh, Ryan. And and we'll see uh, what happens against Florida because, again, I, I think they're the better team on paper, and it, it would be a shame to, to wash away this buildup, I, I guess, if you want to look at it uh, from that perspective because I agree with what you were discussing, Ryan, earlier when, when you first started talking about how it's remarkable that Tennessee is is ranked inside the top 15 right now. And I know it's Akron, but being a 50-point favorite, and I think it's it's come down to 46-and-a-half. I think I saw that early Monday morning. But still, that that is a huge favorite. And to be doing that 15 games in when you took over the mess that was Jeremy Pruitt, and not only did you have the mess on the field, but you had the mess off the field with the NCAA investigation, which technically still is is ongoing in a way. Like it, it's remarkable that that Tennessee is is ranked in the top fifteen. We'll we'll see where they're at at the end of the season, but I, I think man, Tennessee is really headed in in the right direction, and and it feels like it could be on the cusp of a really special season because of these early signs that I just talked about. Um, it feels like it could be a really early or a really special season. And it feels to me kind of like Ole Miss last year where, yeah, there were still some deficiencies across the board, but you had special players sprinkled throughout the team. 
and, and those special players were able to overcome those deficiencies and uh, Ole Miss won 10 games and went to the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, I I, th- I think you make a good point. There, there's a lot to be said for a team just finding a way to win. Uh, it, it, it just doesn't matter. Football games, you don't play enough. This isn't baseball where you're playing 162 game seasons in the pro, 162 game seasons in the pros, and uh, you know one one game, you know doesn't, you know you don't you kind of shrug off a win sometimes if it's if it's ugly. In college football, a win is a you only get 12 of these, you know, plus a bowl or playoffs, whatever. There's just not enough to 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 shake a stick at any win. So the fact that you were able to find a way to get it done. On a day where, yes, clearly Tennessee should have won this game by a more comfortable margin, not not needed to go to overtime, doesn't matter. You got the job done. Now, I, I still think there are some some concerns. I, now, Wes, you asked earlier if there was anything else we thought about on the way home. I, I didn't get to watch the game yet with obviously driving home on, on Sunday and, and tracking NFL games and everything, but I, I did kind of think to myself, and I'm not trying to – Every time we bring up anything from the Butch Jones era, I know that makes everyone Uh-oh. cringe a little bit. Oh no! Oh no! But I, but I was kind of thinking at how this the, this start to the season with a team that brought bring, is bringing back a lot of key players from last year that had heightened expectations a little bit. It kind of reminds me a, a little bit, just a little bit, of the way Tennessee started the 2016 season by having a little bit of a concerning showing against Appalachian State in that Thursday opener. And us kind of shrugging that off a little bit, knowing that was a pretty tough opponent, but not knowing what to make of that at the time. And then Tennessee goes out, they start 5-0, and but those signs that showed up earlier in the season might have been a little bit of, a, of an indication of what happened later where they lost to South Carolina. They lost to Vanderbilt at the end of the season in a game that, you know, that was a different story maybe. But they had some of those early cracks in the foundation that I think showed up later in some games that they shouldn't have lost and did. So I think that's an example of what can happen if these early mistakes don't get fixed. There were other factors, obviously, Jalen Hurd and all that stuff that led to that team not winning all the games it should have. But I think that's a, 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 just an example of why Tennessee does clearly have to improve and why it maybe can be a little bit concerning if you're a fan that some of these things are happening early in the season. Sometimes these teams, and maybe it's overconfidence. I thought the most interesting thing Josh Heupel said Monday was, that they had a couple days of practice last week that weren't that good or not as good as they should have been leading up to the pit game. And some of that showed in the game. Well, I, with a lot of veterans back, it makes me wonder, you know, why is that happening? Sometimes you get teams that feel a little, feel themselves a little bit, you know, get a little overconfident maybe with a, a lot of, te- a lot of guys back knowing they just scored 59 points in their season opener. You know, what, what, they got to figure out what, it, what went into that. It's just a couple practices. And if it's not a long-term thing, it's not a big problem, but, it does make you wonder about, you know, there, there are some on and off field challenges that come with bringing back a lot of players and not to say this team was overconfident by any means, but it just, it, it does make you wonder about the day-to-day approach. And, you know, just because they had things rolling a certain way last year, doesn't mean that you're going to have things going the same way this year or, or just automatically improve. And it's played out that way so far. There've been some concerns on the field that they've got to clean up. And I would say on both sides of the ball. Yeah, the, there, there's, there's a lot to discuss there, and I think it's, it's why it's smart that Heupel has one of the many reasons it's smart that Heupel has said that this week is all about Tennessee. So it, it, there, everything about are these cracks in the foundation that are going to show, or is this 
just just an early season thing with some sloppiness. That all depends on Tennessee's response to it, and that that's what you know. It's good though that your fate is a lot of times in your own hands as opposed to not having your fate in your own hands because you need help from somewhere else to do something good. So I think there's a lot to discuss there. Uh, ben, did you have something else before we go to break? Or Ryan, did you? I saw I saw you uh, uh, you put your hand up there. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna to get into some of the specifics just a little bit um, because I know where, you know, where we want to take this for sure uh, moving forward, but just to, to get in some of the details, you know, I like, I'm not as concerned as as maybe, maybe I should be more concerned if I (laughs) looking at Tennessee, but I'm not as much concerned by Cedric Tillman having the kind of day he had Saturday, for instance. And the two players I heard the most about from Tennessee fans after that game were Cedric Tillman and Trayvon Flowers. Flowers, obviously the muffed punt, Tillman, you know, just not not catching some balls he should have caught. Still had a big day though. Nine catches, 162 yards, and a touchdown. Trayvon Flowers the, makes the, a the huge end of the pick. day. The end of the day, they made the plays that won the game in OT. Exactly. Trayvon Flowers with the sack in overtime and makes a really nice pick in the back of the end zone that was kind of a turning point in the first half uh, that, that got Tennessee going a little bit. So those two guys, to me, not as much of a concern. I, I don't know if, what you guys thought, you know, of, of these two particular areas, but. You know, you kind of touched on this a little bit, Wes. I think the question is whether some of these are just mistakes Tennessee made or whether they have an ability problem at, at some positions that's going to be hard to fix. And the two that, the two areas that would concern me most if I'm Tennessee, well, I, I would maybe throw these in together. On offense, I would say offensive line slash running back. I would almost combine those because I did think Tennessee's offensive line got away with not playing a great game on Saturday. Now, Pitt's very good up front on defense, so that's hard to gauge sometimes, but – Pitt had some success, you know, it, crashing the line of scrimmage a little bit, not not letting Tennessee get much going in the run game, and Tennessee threw it early and often because of that. And then on defense, I, I, I still come away from that game worrying a lot about the secondary. I think Tennessee's secondary has some legitimate concerns that against teams that can throw the ball well, you know, especially in SEC play, they, they, are, they are going to have some issues if they don't get that corrected and improved a little bit. And, you know, whether that means some personnel changes, you know, Warren Burrell, Again, picked on a bit. Not surprised there. Jalen McCullough, I, I didn't think had his best game uh, by any stretch, but you know those weren't the only two guys that struggled. The Trayvon Flowers missed tackle on the sideline to, to get him a hurdled and uh, allow that touchdown. They're, they're just a lot of plays that secondary has got to make better or, or they've got to get some better players in there. So th- those, to me, offensive line and secondary with maybe the running backs being thrown in there with the offensive line. Tennessee's got to play better at those positions, and they've got to figure out whether that's an ability thing or just some things they can clean up moving forward. Yeah, if it's a, if it's an ability thing, then you have to make adjustments to your plan in terms of scheme and personnel and all those things. So, lots to discuss there. Lots more to discuss. But we are overdue for a break. We got to step away, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc. Then we'll come back and have more to discuss here on the Go Vols Twenty Four Seven Podcast. Hashtag ad money. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, 
you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center, Ben McKee coming to you from Ben McKee's house, still need a better better uh, way to describe that we will come it, it will happen in time right these things need to happen organically and they will talking tennessee football here in a, here on a really really pleasant late monday afternoon here in knoxville tennessee and we got much more to discuss about that we're going to talk more about some some honors tennessee football's gotten this week some uh, some some updates on some future games and times and other things lots to discuss but before we do that just a quick request from our end if you could take about a minute uh, maybe, let's say, 60, 75, 90 seconds, somewhere in there. If you could go in there and subscribe to this podcast and also rate and review this podcast and tell some friends about this podcast, that would help us out a good bit. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. However, uh, what helps us out the most is if you go in there, whether it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, certainly, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. Very, very few complaints from our end. Almost no complaints from our end. It's labor of love. But since we're doing this for free, I don't think it's too much to ask that you go in there and you subscribe, rate, review, uh, tell your friends about it too. Hey, there, there, there's nothing wrong uh, if, if you got some people around you, some friends, some some people that you see at uh, at church or at uh, if you gather for Monday night football or just people around the office. And if you don't have any friends, just the people who happen to stand be standing around you. You see them in orange. Go, hey, I wish you were my friend because I don't have friends, but you should listen to the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. If you're doing all of those things, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, news. Tennessee uh, will be playing Florida 3.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS, which, of course, as we all know, is the greatest network that ever has or ever will uh, exist. So that's certainly uh, good news for Tennessee. And, and I know that people talk about the CBS commercial breaks. Well, you know what? we got to put food on the table, okay? So just stop it with that. Just stop it with that. We got, we, we got mouths to feed. we got things to do. Just kidding, I know it can be a pain sometimes, but that is part of it. Also news, uh, Tennessee did have a couple players honored by the Southeastern Conference on Monday. You had uh, you had Hendon Hooker being named Offensive Player of the Week. You had um, Byron Young, I believe, being named SEC mm-hmm. Defensive Lineman of the Week. So some good news there. And I think 
this is important, guys. I, I think, and I said it late in the first segment there, that, that a couple guys, Flowers and uh, Tillman, made the plays in overtime that won the game. I would say, however, that it's probably more accurate to say uh, that Hendon Hooker made some plays on offense that won the game in overtime. He had the touchdown down the left side um, that I believe a Javante Spragans holding penalty brought that back. And then one play later, when the pocket was collapsing, when it, a lot of quarterbacks would have just kind of thrown that ball away or tried to tuck it and run, Hendon Hooker had the wherewithal and the ability to kind of wiggle through some traffic and keep his eyes downfield and throw a really good sort of back shoulderish throw to Tillman for a touchdown. He made that play look so much easier than it was, especially in that moment. That was a big-time play. So I know Hendon Hooker, those first two drives in the game were not good. Um, and, 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 and really both weeks he's missed some throws that you think, man, normally he makes that throw. Well, not everybody can be Superman all the time. When he needed to be late in the game, I thought he was special. I agree with that. Oh, sorry, Ben, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I, I completely agree with that. And, and again, I, I, although there were negatives in the game, at the end of the day, it's, it's all a bunch of positives because we, we can see just how much better this football team can be. And, and I wanted to, to make a point on what Ryan was discussing uh, there before that, that commercial timeout and comparing it to, to the 2016 team that kind of fell flat on its face after a nice start. The, the, these two teams, or looking at the 2016 team and then this year's team, could not be further apart from one another, in my opinion. Could, could it be more different? Because that was third season for Butch, fourth season for Butch, and, and he had had multiple recruiting classes. Yeah, Butch had a ton of talent on that team. You you had everything you needed to go to Atlanta and compete for an SEC championship in terms of talent on the team. You, you didn't really have any deficiencies. Your deficiencies were off the field because the culture just was was absolutely terrible. Whereas with this team, it's it's almost it's like involved, it's almost like when you lie to everybody all the time, bad things happen. Go ahead. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Whereas if, if this team, you know, slides and loses some games down the stretch that that uh, it, it probably shouldn't, or, or just like the Kentucky game. The, that's a pretty evenly matched up football game right there. If you lose that game, it, it's not going to be because the the culture is bad. It's it's year two under Josh Heupel. The, there are deficiencies that could lead to losses late in the season, like that sixteen team. But it's not because. Josh Heupel just lost the locker room and, and the, the culture wasn't set. It's because they're still rebuilding Tennessee. And I think that's something that should be re- reminded and, and fans should remember is that just because Tennessee is the 15th ranked team in the country at the moment and they're ahead of schedule, they absolutely are ahead of schedule, which Josh Heupel and his staff deserves a ton of credit for that. But just because they are doesn't mean that they're ready to go beat Alabama or Georgia or go play in Atlanta for the SEC championship. They're, they're not ready to win the East yet. They are closer than we thought they would be at this time. But if, if this team does go on a slide towards the end of the season, it's going to be because of depth issues, talent, a lack of talent issues. There are still a lot of holes on this football team. You're starting 22 has gotten pretty good, which is a, has allowed you to become the 15th best team in the country. 
but there's still a lot of depth and weaknesses from a roster standpoint, constructing a roster standpoint that's not going to allow Tennessee to go beat Alabama or Georgia. Could an upset happen? Absolutely. But but there should not be an expectation for Josh Heupel in year two with all the mess that he inherited inherited to, to, to go win those games. Yeah, and, and it's and that was not a perfect analogy by any means. And I and I don't don't want anyone to think I'm saying that this team should be compared to the twenty sixteen team. It just reminded me of the situation a little bit because that team obviously had very high expectations. SEC's champion in a lot of people's minds going into that season. And this team, obviously higher expectations. I definitely agree this roster is not at the point that that roster was. But it, it did remind me that sometimes teams with higher expectations, with a lot of players coming back, will have challenges that are unforeseen, that not, not just injuries and things like that. Sometimes you do have to, uh, have, to, have to try to find the magic again a little bit, which last year I think Hendon Hooker was, was really sharp for most of last season in a way that he maybe hasn't been even though he had great numbers and, and, as you said, was very special in the in the fourth quarter and overtime of that game Saturday, I thought he did step his game up, and that was a, a very good sign. We hadn't really seen him do that much. He hasn't had to do that much. Go win a game in the fourth quarter and overtime for Tennessee. So I thought that was a big step for him in showing he could do that on a day when they weren't throwing their fastball offensively. So that's all positive. Um, but it, but it, it, it just does remind you that, you've kind of got to find that magic a little bit again. You know, that, that offense is, is has, has not maybe clicked on all cylinders yet when they do, or if they do, they're going to be just fine. But in the meantime, they've got to get it back to that point. And, and, and also again, not to over, you know, make, make this into a bigger issue than it, than it is, but, you know, figure out things like why did we have a couple rough practices last week and things like, you know, just, you want to be in a much better rhythm going into SEC play in, in a week and a half. And that's, that's why it's better to have these things happening now, as you said earlier, than, than in October when you're playing some of these important games on the schedule. Yeah, I, I think of, you know, when you're a head coach and, and you're running a, you know, a program like a Tennessee, it, it's kind of like trying to turn an aircraft carrier. Like, it's just not an easy thing to do, right? Like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> There's a lot of things that you got to get to move the thing where you want it to move. And I think psychologically there are so many games within a game during the course of a season, right? It's almost like every day you wake up and you've got your own unique challenges and your own things that you have to do for for, for not just a game but for a practice, for how you handle a situation. And I think a week like this is a really important week when you talk about sort of the game within the game because you look at some of the things Tennessee has done in the first couple weeks – and and how it was some sloppiness in the Ball State game. That happens early season, not a good team. But then against Pitt, you find a way to win the game when you've made a lot of dumb mistakes that you just can't normally win games when you do that, especially against a good team, uh, a, a, a ranked team on the road, you know, in an environment like that. So what? how you react to that, how you get your team to react to that, I think sort of defines how a season goes. Because there's some factors, right? Like let's say like a Hendon Hooker or a Tillman gets hurt or something like that. That 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 could change the complexion of the season in a, at the snap of a finger, and that's just that's just luck. There's not really a lot you can do about that. But there are things you can do vis-a-vis sort of, you know, how you handle how you get your team to react to a situation like this week, because you can't have a team being too fat and happy because it's got to clean up some of these things. 
but you also want to keep the good vibes going that you have within your program and that have been part of the reason for so many things that have gone well since Heupel's been there, that sort of positive culture, the, you know, the, the good old everybody love everybody kind of thing, you know, they, they've got that going on, but they also need to fine tune some of this stuff. And I think how you get your, the leaders on your team and therefore the rest of your team sort of as a trickle down thing, how you get them to react to a situation like this week when there are things they need to improve. I, I think that's really, really important. Yes, it, it absolutely is. And I almost wonder if Josh Heifel's comments on Monday that Ryan has mentioned uh, about there being some some practices that weren't that great last week, I almost wonder if he's saying that on purpose uh, and, and essentially lying to get the point across that just because we're playing Akron this week doesn't mean that you can take off in practice. Akron yeah. is terrible. And they are an awful football team. Absolutely awful. I mean, Tennessee, I believe LSU had hung 50 on Southern by halftime this weekend. And that's LSU, the team who couldn't do anything correct offensively six days prior uh, against Florida State. So if if LSU is able to do that to Southern, Tennessee should be able to hang 50 on this bad Ball State team by halftime. And Joe Milton should be taken over as quarterback, uh, if not before halftime, but at least at, at at the latest, the first drive of the second half. And, and um, so, bad, bad Akron team. You said bad Ball State. Wrong, wrong Midwestern punching back. Ball State, Akron, <laughs> all, all the same. Uh, well, was, you think uh, about bad Akron, then it sounds like Ball State. I mean, you know, it all yeah, kind yeah, of is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's yeah, it is what bad it is. Akron team. Tennessee, should, yeah. Tennessee should kill them. Tennessee should kill the team this that they're playing this weekend. And, and so, if like the players are well aware of this more more than people realize they, they are 1000% well aware Gerald Mintz he's already tweeting at his former teammate Brenton Cox about wanting his matchup for the Florida game and I think that 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 is possible Heifel could have lied on purpose when he said that some of those practices last week weren't that great so that the players don't take this week off because they know they're going to beat down at Akron uh, you already have players looking ahead to Florida and the last thing you need is them taking a week off of, of practice and, and getting behind the eight ball going into Florida week. And also, Heifel said last Thursday going into Pitt that they had a great week of preparation. And, and look, maybe that was just coach speak, but he did contradict himself today. When yeah. He says last Thursday, uh, and he, I think he said it on ball calls Wednesday night, and then he comes in on Thursday. And he does say this every week, it seems like. Oh, we great preparation. Great day on the grass, ready to go play. Like that's his line that he goes to towards the end of the week. So maybe that's just purely coach speaking. They actually did have poor practices last week, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he was lying on on purpose, telling a, a little white lie that hey, we we did have a good week of practice last week on purpose so that the guys are locked in because you you've got to you've got to erase the the muffed punts. The, the Jalen Wright fumbles, uh, the the little ticks here and there that you see that that are resulting in an incomplete pass from Hendon, whether it's the receiver's fault, whether it's the quarterback's fault, you, you've got to iron those kinks out. And, and so, Wes, you are absolutely spot on when you say that this week is all about Tennessee because Tennessee is playing itself this week. Tennessee will beat down Akron but it needs to iron out all the sloppiness in the process because if you don't, 
Florida and LSU, although they are down this year and Tennessee is better than, they'll sneak up and, and they'll beat you if, if you play sloppy football again. I also still worry about that Anthony Richardson matchup with Tennessee's defense. As bad as he was well, last week, I, I think him him athletically in space against this back seven or back that that's that's rough. That yep. is that is a very fair point. But if Tennessee's defensive front plays the way that it did against Pitt, plays that way against Florida, Anthony Richardson's going to have a long night as well. Yeah, I, I'll say this. Um, first of all, I, I was skeptical a little bit of Tennessee rotating all you know all the talk of more depth on defense and all that stuff. I, I was a little bit skeptical of that at wide receiver, and, and I said, hey, let's see what they do in the pit game. That'll tell us the story. Well, they got to the pit game, and what did we see? Mostly the starting three receivers yeah. played almost the whole time. The secondary, Except they for didn't. What, yeah, the, the starters basically had to tap their helmets to come out. Yeah, uh, I mean, you got Ramel Keaton in there some. I think Jimmy Holiday was in there some. That was about it. I mean, you didn't see a lot, uh, a lot of rotation there in the secondary. You know, you really, really didn't rotate. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. I think Tennessee has to take advantage of this game as more than a let's make sure our starters are playing well going into the Florida game. I think they've really got to use this week to evaluate their options at some key positions to decide what the best combinations are. They might need to go I, – I think they might need to go full-fledged running back by committee um, going forward because I, I have real questions about Jabari Small after Saturday. I thought he wasn't very – I mean – yeah, one, one they, bad they, game. They, they badly, badly need Jalen Wright to start taking care of the football yeah. because he is athletically just better than Jabari Small is. And he was and, having a great game. Jabari has yep. the first two possessions of the game. Tennessee goes three and out because Hinden missed three throws. And, and then I, I'm assuming it was a rotation because as Wes, I loved, I didn't even tell Wes this, but I loved how. Uh, how'd you say it on the post game pod? He vultured two touchdowns. Yeah, I, I he, he, a, he 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 Mike he Mike all started the hell out of that. Yep. Yes, uh, that was a great way to describe it. But Jalen Wright, before Jabari Small comes in and steals the touchdown, Ryan, Jalen Wright was awesome. I, he, I mean, yep. he looked terrific. Absolutely, and it, so I I think this week I think it's a lost opportunity if you don't use this week to really assess some things and be willing to make changes to your starting lineup or at least your rotations. At some, at some different positions going into a huge game at Florida. And then you've got an open date to reassess things going into LSU at least. But th- they've got to be willing to make some changes. And I, and I wonder if this staff at every position is willing to do that. Um, Willie Martinez, I think, really likes relying on veterans in the secondary. But do they need to consider any other options in, in the secondary? Does Brandon Turnage at least need to get a look this week to see if he can help somewhere back there at cornerback because you're not getting, frankly, good enough play at that position to really get by against four, SEC teams. Four and two are getting picked on a lot, yep. and there's just no way to avoid that when you're watching the game. I know there are people, those are awesome kids, man. They really are, and they've given everything they have to this program, but they're still getting picked on. At safety, to that point, do you need to try Wesley Walker a little bit this week to see if he can help you there? He hasn't gotten to do that much. He said Monday since the start of the season, getting banged up in the preseason kind of derailed the work he was getting at safety. Does he need to be tried there or someone else to see if Tennessee can develop a third option that can at least replace one of those guys if they struggle to start a game? You've got to have some other options lined up and and be willing to make changes if this team is going to reach its full potential because they've just got to, frankly, they've got to play better 
at some positions or they're not going to win some of these games or, or they're going to make some costly mistakes that, that will really hurt them in a, in a close game, much like Saturday's was, and they won't be able to survive it because uh, of, you know, a starting quarterback being injured the, the way it was Saturday, that things like that. So they, they've just got to get better play at, at linebacker. Jeremy Banks. Jeremy Banks I think has is, not had a good start to the season. I was going to say, he, physically, the talent is still there, but he's making costly mistakes. He, he got replaced, it looked like, for a little mm-hmm. bit there Saturday by Solon Page for at least a, a brief stretch in the game. So there are things like that that you've got to get ironed out this week, and I think they're, they're wasting an opportunity if they don't at least take a hard, hard look at some of these positions this week to at least see what they need to do going into the Florida game and not just use this as a chance to, to kind of shore up things and get your starting lineup some confidence because I don't think that really does any good anyway. You're playing a terrible Akron team, has been pointed out. I don't think you can just use this as a confidence builder. Okay, let's get everybody feeling better going into Florida. You need to use this week to really see what you need to do against Florida. Well, the, there's two kinds of, of players who are, you know, don't perform or, or two reasons why players are not performing at a level that you think is good enough. One is that they're not good enough to do that. Two, uh, they are good enough, and, and they're not doing it. And and those are two different. I, mean, I know that Old Trooper Taylor used to say, you know, one that don't's no different from one that won't, and and I, and I understand that. It, it it's true, but there are some guys who I think athletically can do more. Like I think some of the stuff with with McCullough at times, he, he's just not twitchy enough. He's just, there's just some issues there. And he just has to be a super smart player uh, to, to overcome some of that. But then there are guys who I think physically can play better. Banks is one who physically is capable of doing more. And I'll still say this after watching some more of the, the game and some other stuff, uh, Tyler Barron is still inconsistent. And there are times where he just disappears for long stretches. Now, he'll go make a play sometimes when you need one. Um, but he's capable physically of being much more consistent and better, and I think Tennessee needs that from him. Uh, I think he played better Saturday. I'll say that he, he did. He, he was he, improved. No, he, he had a couple of big moments, and I know that def, def, ed, edge rusher defensively is a time where you know it's almost kind of like being a hitter in baseball. Like you can do everything right, and you're still only going to succeed X percent of the time. Right, you're just not going to get home because it's a tough job to do. I still think there are times where you could get a little more out of Barron, and I hope that, that Tennessee, and, and for his sake both, I, I hope that happens. And then one other thing I, I'll notice from the game, I didn't want to go an entire uh, podcast without mentioning this, is that I, I don't think there's ever a number of targets in a game that are too many for Cedric Tillman. Uh, if you want to give him 30 targets in a game, go right ahead. He's a horse. Ride that horse all day long. However, uh, Throw the ball to Brew McCoy more than four times. Uh, I think he is a guy who is going to do some things for you on the other side of the field. And I know it makes a lot of sense that Hooker is very comfortable with Tillman because they've been together for two seasons. They're on the same page. They're good friends. They have been from day one. And there's nothing wrong with throwing the ball to Cedric Tillman ever. Um, But I do think they need to get the ball to Brew McCoy a little bit more. Yes, and Jalen Hyatt, which Jalen Hyatt had a nice chunk of targets – uh, on Saturday, get him, against, down, get him down the field. Yes, that that's what I would like to see. And and look, I I do like the those little quick hitters that throw out to the perimeter for him because of his speed. And, and if the other receiver out there blocking for him, that's practically an automatic first down every single time they that they do that. It's and a, it's Hyatt a, it, had it's an extension of the running game for seventy three yards. 
No, I was just saying, it's not, I didn't want to interrupt you, man. It's just, to me, it's an extension of the running game because it's almost like a yeah. running play. It is, and that's how the coaching staff views it for sure. Uh, any football coach would, would certainly tell you that. But I agree with what you said. Get him going downfield more. I, I love that that little quick hitter that they do. Uh, he had 11 catches on 13 targets doing the, those quick hitters. But but I agree. I, I'd love to see things getting him going towards the end zone, over the middle of the field, a slant, a post, to, to where he can catch the football when he's already running in stride. He's already at his top speed and, and get him going towards the end zone. I, I would love to see that uh, as well. I, w- I really want to touch on the, the defensive front because we, we have not – talked enough about them. Omari Thomas was great. The difference in the game. Byron Young was awesome. Byron Young wins SEC Defensive Player of the Week. Omari Thomas was great, as you just mentioned. I thought Tyler Barron was terrific, and you could argue that that he made the the game-winning play with his sack that not only forced a fumble and got a field goal going into halftime, but also knocked out the starting quarterback because Mm -hmm. he hit him so hard and slung him so hard. Tyler Barron has looked really good through two games in in my eyes. Uh, and then you have the other guys just chipping in here and there. Like, those three are leading the way. Big O, Byron Young, Barron. Like, those are your three main guys. And then everybody else kind of just sprinkles in and makes plays here and there. Dejon Terry, Karat Garland, Roman Harrison played more this weekend. Uh, and, and I'm sure yeah. I'm missing some other better defensive linemen. Good. Uh, Elijah Simmons got some run, uh, yeah. and uh, Latrell Bumpus had a really nice hit on the quarterback to where he, I mean, he was just a split second away from a sack. I think Rodney Garner deserves so much credit for how far this defensive line room has come. One of my biggest concerns about Tennessee coming into the season was the defensive front, uh, aside from Byron Young, and whether Tyler Barron and Amari Thomas were, were going to take that next step, and they certainly have through two games, but you didn't really have a whole lot returning, especially in addition to losing Matt Butler. And that defensive line has, has been really good through two games. And, oh, by the way, the next two big opponents, Florida and LSU, they struggle up front along the offensive line. And I, th- I think that's really going to help Tennessee uh, win those football games looking down the road. But we, we should have let off with the defensive front. That's how good – they were. They, they won Tennessee the football game. The secondary is concerning outside of Kamal Haddon and Tamarion McDonald and Wesley Walker. I really like those three. Everybody else is a little concerning. But the defensive front, defensive line, uh, and, and Aaron Beasley's playing terrific football. Uh, Jeremy Banks has not had the, the greatest of moments, but he still uh, made plays here and there. But when you go nine tackles for a loss, 16 hits on the quarterback, four sacks, an interception, and a, a fumble recovery, your, your defensive front deserves a lot of praise. And I, I don't feel, not even just us, I, I don't feel like they're necessarily being talked about enough because I, I said going into this game, the trenches were going to determine the outcome. And Hendon Hooker was kept clean, and Tennessee's defensive front dominated Pitt up front, and that was the difference in the football game. And Pitt's O-line is good, I think, too. They're, they're, they're yeah. maybe not great, but they're good, and Tennessee just whipped the hell out of them. Well, they they brought back all five starters from last year, and we yeah. talked about that a lot going into the game. That the Pitts veterans on both lines of scrimmage were their, the strength of their team, and that Tennessee needed to to at least get a draw uh, in those two line of scrimmage battles. And I, 
I think Ben makes a great point. Tennessee's defensive line was was critical in this game. Uh, just the just to, the pressure they got. You know, it wasn't just that they, they got sacks and tackles for loss, which they did uh, after they weren't there against Ball State with them getting rid of the ball quickly in that game. But they 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 just consistently got pressure, especially in the second half, and, and made things difficult for uh, for that backup quarterback uh, to 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 get settled in. He, he did make some plays to his credit to to get Pitt back in the game or. or tie the game and, and get it to overtime at least but but Tennessee's defensive line made made things tough for him and that's that's the recipe this team's got to be good up front and, and Rodney Garner as you said Ben deserves a ton of credit for the work with uh with that group and and for the way they rotated uh I I, I believe this was on defense but Dominic Bailey got in the game Saturday I mean they they rotated a lot of guys and and took advantage of, of the, de- the depth they thought they had built during preseason camp. I, I wish we had seen that at other positions because I think that's, that's at least got to be part of the decision-making with, with guys like Jalen McCullough on the back end. Are, are you maybe not getting as good a play out of those guys because they're playing every snap, basically? Um, are, I just they don't able- think you have bodies back there, Ryan. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you might you not. don't have any other options. Whereas, like Rodney Garner, he has some, some veterans to mm-hmm. work with. Whereas at safety, and, and, and you, you made a great point earlier, maybe you work Wesley Walker back there at safety. Maybe you try to get Brandon Turn into his MIA at the moment. Maybe you try to get him some action at safety. But aside from moving guys around, uh, it's, it's freshman Jordan Thomas back there as Well, as Andre Turrentine. We haven't seen much of Andre Turrentine. You know, I'd, I'd like to see also, him play a little bit. A redshirt freshman who has not he played is. a ton of college football whatsoever. Yeah. You don't have experienced guys right. like like Rodney Garner has up front at corner. It's inexperienced Christian Charles and true freshman Christian Harrison. While D Williams is, is sidelined, so I know fans want to see somebody other than Warren Burrell, but it's it's Christian Charles who was out of position against Ball State and true freshman Christian Harrison who's never played college football those are your two options other and, than one braille and turn it and turn it to they don't trust apparently yeah and I don't, I don't think he's a true corner so I, I don't know that he's necessarily the the greatest option there at corner and then you look at linebacker and, and folks want somebody other than Aaron Beasley although the Aaron Beasley talk has died down a little bit because he's playing well your your options there are Solon Page or true freshman Elijah Herring or, or true freshman Caleb Perry, who is learning to play linebacker. Like uh, other than Rodney Garner, there's no options uh, in terms of what Brian Jean Marie or, or what Tim Banks, Willie Martinez can do in terms of replacing these veterans that everybody's tired of. Yes, it, it would happen in an ideal world, but that's where the depth concerns that I was talking about earlier come in, just because there's no options. Yeah, I said a lot in the summer. They really needed to go to the portal to get a linebacker, and they they weren't able to do it. And they just really and you know whose fault it. that was, who Jeremy Pruitt's. They they couldn't. They 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 only had a couple of of scholarships to work with out of the portal, Ryan, and and in, they in couldn't January, they couldn't yeah. go at anybody. In Jan- in January, that's true, and there just wasn't quality there after the spring semester when they had room to add guys. So that that didn't change much because there just weren't weren't any quality guys there that they thought could be actual impact players at linebacker for this team. But yeah, I, I mean, that's, I guess that's what, that's what I was going back to earlier. You know, that I, I heard all the talk during camp about 
we feel we feel really good about our depth in the secondary and and maybe they did at that time but i just kind of didn't believe it if, you know the, that they would really trust any of those guys over Warren Burrell over Jalen McCullough over Trayvon Flowers when the game was on the line against a tough opponent and at least for one game second game of the season still early that's what we saw so i I, I just I, I would just like to see Tennessee examine that. You've got a game here where you're going to get a chance to play guys in the first half if you want to against an opponent before the game's out of completely out of reach to see what some guys can do. Get them in there, rotate all that talk of rotating. Let, let's see it. Let's try it. See what Andre Turrentine can do. See see if Wesley Walker is capable of playing at safety. Try him a little bit. Play him more. He played thirty something snaps I think in the game Saturday at the at the star position. Um, so, you know, get those guys worked in there more and just see what combinations you have that might be alternatives if those guys struggle again. Because I think there's going to come a time, whether by injury or whatever, that Tennessee needs them uh, to, to at least have a decent alternative there. And maybe at linebacker, too. You know, I don't think Elijah Herring really knows what he's doing yet at linebacker. But if you can get him ready and speed up that process, I think they need to get him ready sooner than later because there might come a game where you just feel like you need to get Jeremy Banks out of there for a drive. And, and you don't want to necessarily just have Solon Page there uh, as, as your only alternative option. So I, I just think they've got, to, they've got to find a way to maybe bring along some guys, develop some depth midseason, which is not ideal, but this team might need that to, to win some of these key SEC games. Yeah, you would just hate the season to, to come down to a disappointing moment that everyone with a brain could have seen coming from – weeks and weeks and months away uh that that's disappointing when you're like oh they're gonna get exposed there they're gonna get and exposed just, there and then they do and you're like well yeah, the other coaches are watching film too or they can see it so yeah i mean it's right and and that's where i go like safety in particular just tennessee's you know shortage of speed there i think could end up being something that just talent wise gets them beat in a game um because they don't they have they don't have anyone ready like ben said it, it's they don't have a great alternative now but you might just have to find someone um one of those younger guys you know maybe even working in someone like a jordan thomas later in the season you know it, it could be it could be somebody that we're not really talking he, about he, right now he but pops, you just he pops athletically for sure that kid i mean you, that's obviously a position where you got to know what to do but the point is i just think tennessee might need to look at some some options that are athletic upgrades potentially to at least see what they've got in this game. And maybe they, they they look at it and change nothing. But I just think this week is a huge opportunity to reassess things before the obviously huge part of your season uh, coming up that, that's going to define everything. You, you've got to know that you've got your best players on the field in every situation and that you have as much depth out there as humanly possible so that you're not having to play Jalen McCullough and Trayvon Flowers every play if you feel like that's not your best option. There's a lot to discuss there. And I actually think we left some meat on the bones too to discuss a little bit later in the week. There's some good stuff there. Well, there, there's something forward. worth mentioning today, and that was the non-update on Jawan Mitchell talking about different options at, at different positions on the defense. Maybe Tennessee West won't have to, to worry about getting Elijah Herring or Caleb Perry as ready because it seems like at some point, maybe, maybe – Getting that Juwan Mitchell will be back. Getting that mysteriously unspecified injury uh, adre- uh, repaired, I guess. We- and, and and if you missed the comment, what Josh Eiffel said at the at the Knoxville uh, Quarterback Club uh, 
courtesy of our own Grant Ramey, said, uh, uh, I anticipate t- talking about D. Williams, also another guy that could be in the mix at cornerback if you need an alternative there, uh, said, I anticipate getting those two guys back and being a part of what we're doing defensively here in the next couple of weeks. We need those guys. And that, that is, uh, that is a, a good comment on his part. And yeah, so next couple of weeks, you know, whether that means this week, which I, I was led to believe last week that, that Jawan Mitchell could return this week. So that would potentially be a big deal if they can work him in there and see what they have. He was in line to start the season opener, it looked like, um, based on what we, in camp. He was pretty consistently working with the first team uh, at the end of the preseason there. So that would be a big deal if you get him back. And then D. Williams, you know, again, maybe he was listed as that fourth corner on the depth chart. If he gets back by at least next week, you know, maybe that uh, shakes things up or at least gives you a, another decent option there at corner if you get in a bind uh, and just feel you need to make a change or have an injury. There is still, I think, actually some meat on the bones. There's plenty of stuff to discuss, though, in the next couple days uh, throughout the week. We'll do that. Still not sure how much opponent stuff we'll do this week on the site or on the pod. No, no. They're hey, it, bad. I need to – I need to know about Akron's second team left tackle. Come on, let's let's dive into it. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I think he's the I think he's the drummer for the Black Keys. I think is who is is, is who's probably <laughs> the that guy. So or or uh, you know maybe maybe one of the LeBron's kids don't live in Akron anymore like he did. But I don't know they they got they got some stuff to figure out there. But we will we will uh, get back to that uh, and more later in the week. But I think right now we're at a good place where we actually went longer than we needed to. But we still left stuff out there to discuss. So. Uh, I think uh, Ben's giving the peace sign. He's ready to go. Ryan does not show his video in his creepy dungeon wherever he is, so we're not really sure. But uh, there's the thumbs up. So, guys, I think we're good. And, uh, guys, thanks for joining us today. Have a great day, Wesley. (laughs) Thanks, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there or most of the stuff there we got stuff on there that we update throughout the day all day every day tons of stuff on there all good stuff but if you want that best most delicious that sparkling delicious crystal clear east tennessee smoky mountain spring water right from the tap go directly to goballs247.com the best site on all of al gore's internets to get coverage of tennessee football football recruiting basketball basketball recruiting tennessee baseball coverage we cover tennessee baseball better than anybody out there we got that for you we got lady vols coverage with award-winning maria cornelius who covers all things lady vols for us you also get administration news basically anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least, so you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, and that's after a free trial. And that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial, and then 
you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other. Please, there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.